Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Monday's here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. It is camp season. Huskers got it going this morning. Plenty of thoughts and reaction. We'll hear from Coach Matt Rule. It also white out Billy Camp in hour two. We'll spend some time with Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. A Monday with Charlie. Jay Moore joins the show as it is the Black Shirt Hour to get you going. Numbers to get in and dial us up can do so at 489-1240. 489-1240 or uh, toll-free across the state where you hear us, 1-800-825-5865. can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. And always uh, make comments on the stream with the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Can comment that way. Also on Hale Varsity Twitter at HVarsity Radio, Facebook and Twitter also with KFOR. So those are your outlets to say what's up. We say hello. And I have got to give a, uh, a, a nine and a half out of ten to Elijah Herbal for his beef short ribs that he made. And he left a little bit over for me and Dolman as we absolutely were the two old guys crashing the party uh, to watch Bud Crawford absolutely dismantle Spence. My God, that was Nebraska all over Florida in the Fiesta Bowl. We'll get to some boxing thoughts, but well done. You didn't have an apron. You didn't have a chef hat, but you should. Yeah, that was, it, that was good. It was man. good having you over to the bachelor house. It's a house full of bachelors. I walk in, there's your pup on the couch, there's artwork everywhere, really cool artwork, and then there's dudes drinking <laughs> whatever. I mean, their, their, their selection of beer, there was some some uh, some Coors Original that the bandit yep. brought by, Yep. Uh, some IPAs. We had about everything you could ask for. I know, and, and it was very nice of you to, to, to not say no. <laughs> Why would I? It's the old guys at the rail again. <laughs> There's no problem with that. We all had fun. What was sweet, though, is is you're letting me and Dolman pay in installments. No one else had to pay, but the two old guys get to the door. That'll be $75.99. Uh, we take cash, check, or money order. Uh, and in true form or fashion, give me a little bit before that check clears, Elijah. Well, so. well the best part is, is... As I was going through and uh, and purchasing the fight, I didn't tell you this on Saturday night. Uh, I learned that the card on file for the Showtime account was my dad's. Oh, so dad got popped. Dad got popped, and <laughs> I got to figure out how I'm going to pay him back. If I'm going to pay him back, to his credit, like it, you need like a send him a confirmation text, be like, "Do you want to purchase this?" Before I even texted him, he confirmed it for me. So 
Thanks, Dad. Appreciate you. I promise I'll pay you back eventually. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have left that promise dangling. Hey, I, I need to order something on Amazon. Dear, it's your account. I will Venmo you. Uh, thankfully, she does not listen. How about Bud Crawford, though? Awesome. Just incredible. He's had a lot of big moments. He's had a lot of big fights. But he was able to etch his name, deservedly so, in history with the unification. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that he tore up this guy that was supposed to really challenge him but it was it wasn't fair it was not fair it was absolutely a a savage beating and it just goes to show what bud crawford's all about with his 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 brilliance his intelligence and oh yeah his his power and ability but you have a guy that is is that thoughtful when it comes to an attack plan and how he's a quick thinker and he computes. And after round one, it was over. Mm. I mean, Spence came out, you feel him out, and then Crawford's counterpunching was masterful. His power punches were where they were at percentage-wise, I think 60%. He He just mauled the guy with his jab, and he took away Spence's jab. And it was really cool to see uh, the state of Nebraska's all over over, over Bud, uh, the proud city of Omaha. And he is he's an absolute phenom and a, a guy that this state is super proud of. And it was really cool to see him do his thing. Yeah. And as you said, kind of that, that knockdown in the second round, it was one of the only fights of that magnitude where from that early on in the fight, I was, it was like, over. it's over. It's over. It's the only fear was if Spence catches him with something, but even whenever Bud got hit, him. it never looked like it was going to put him down. Bud always looked like he had the advantage in speed, power, and before the fight, people were saying, well, Spence is going to be the bigger man. And I said it in the first round. I said, Bud looks just as big as Errol Spence in that ring, and uh, it was great to see. I mean, you see poor Spence's eyes were just getting peppered, mm-hmm. and I know that's common in boxing, but I mean, he every time he went to the ring after a round, I mean, there was more puffiness, more redness. And the guy was in trouble from the get-go. So there's our commentary on Bud Crawford. One last thought. Trev Alberts, if you're listening, I've tweeted at you before. You've never responded. You know why? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a damn herbal kid again. All I'll say, Trev, is if you're out there listening, make it happen. Bud Crawford in Memorial Stadium. Get that walkout through the tunnel. There's going to be the brand new tunnel that you're going to be able to show off here in in a couple of months. Bud Crawford in the stadium. I don't care who he's fighting. I don't think Nebraska cares who he's fighting. Make it happen in the stadium. 90,000 will show up. 90,000 will have fun. And uh, 90,000 will watch Bud Crawford get a win. That's all I'm saying. Maybe maybe the rematch. I don't know that you, you, you can't do it in Vegas contractually. But if Bud could land whoever, warm-up fight, post-fight, after the rematch, whatever it is, yeah, that'd be incredible. We were blessed to have him at PBA, mm-hmm. was that six years ago? Uh, 2017-ish? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was fall 2017. Yeah. yeah, it was August. It was hot. Junior got to go, and we were able to dirty media passes. That was really cool, and hey, good for Bud Crawford. Let's talk some Nebraska football as Coach Rule met the media today. And uh, day one of camp, and you had things a little different in a good way. As camp was split up, you had uh, older players, and then you had younger players, and you had younger guys getting a minimum of, of 40 reps. 
and you had younger guys that had some extra time for the teaching aspect, but a, but a very important plan. And Coach Rule talked about that. But uh, Rule gets us started off. We'll, we'll hear from Coach right now as he addressed the, the Bob Wager situation. That's how he led things off uh, this afternoon. Uh, really grateful for him for the time he spent here. Unfortunate situation. I know he took responsibility for it, and I appreciate him for doing that. Not a lot of men would have handled it the way he did. I don't judge people by their tough moments or worst moments. I always judge them how they respond. I really appreciate him, and I'm thankful for him. I mean, it was a short time, but he brought some recruits here. He brought some of his kids here, so I appreciate him and wish him and his family the best. So you had comments from, from Rule on, on Coach Wager, and really – that is uh, about all you can say. You wish him well. We've touched on it on Friday's show as that news broke and then also on the Saturday morning edition. But let's uh, hear about Josh Martin uh, getting called up, uh, stepping up to that tight end position he's very familiar with. When we first hired Josh, I remember um, one of the analytics companies you know, sending me, signing like, hey, you know, great hire and all the things he had done. Um, and we've just been nothing but impressed with Josh since then. You know, uh, we've had Christian Ellsworth in that room, and Christian's a really talented young coach. So it's you know kind of been a blessing to have him in there. But uh, you know, Josh has done it. He's done it two places. He's had guys go on to the NFL, and uh, you know, I went out and watched his indie today uh, with the young guys, and um, you can tell he's been coaching a long time. So um, our whole plan and kind of building the staff, well, differently than maybe it's been done here before, was having a bunch of guys waiting in the wings. So as guys have opportunities and move on. Or unfortunately, in a situation like this, we have guys here. We don't have to go out and, you know, hire some, you know, someone new. We can go out and hire guys uh, within the organization that, you know, that know our systems and understand our way of life. That's huge. That is thinking about third down on first down to put it into play calling terms. And that is quite honestly Saban-esque. How many times did Saban hire a guy to be an analyst, be it a Lane Kiffin or a Sark, only to have someone leave the nest for another head coaching job after the rehab was done under Saban, Bill O'Brien. And then what? Then you, you, you next man up, just like you hear coaches say uh, when there's injuries. Well, next man up, it's got to happen. Well, that's okay to have on your coaching staff. And if you're smart enough with how you're spending your budget, from a support system standpoint, you're going to have guys. I mean, not many programs have a guy who spent seven years at SMU and at Arizona State with guys who, with a guy who's put people into the NFL at tight end. So Nebraska ahead of the game there, and, and Coach Rule laid it out perfectly. But you just have to have again details, Elijah. This is how I want to build our our coaching roster and our analyst roster. And then that support system and uh, support staff that, that helps the football program go. And as you said, to put it in the play calling terms, it's having your third down play call ready to go on first down. And you know what? If, if your playing gets derailed, you have the backup option as well. It's knowing the future because it's, it's rare in college football as a whole, but especially in modern college football, to have what Nebraska had in the late 80s and 90s with continuity with your assistant coaches, where we've talked with plenty of them on this show. Guys like Charlie McBride, guys like George Darlington, guys like Ron Brown, guys like Milt Tinnipur, guys that stuck in state at Nebraska, that's rare in modern college football. You have to expect guys, you know what? 
offense has a great year, your OC is going to go off and take a head coaching job somewhere because at the end of the day, the, the dollars in college football are massive right now. Whenever you see that multi-million dollar contract put in front of you, you say, you know what? It's time for you to make the jump. I love my time at Nebraska. But that's just the standard in college football nowadays. And it's Matt Rule looking to the future saying, I'm going to be ready when that happens. Well, you're going to get the best candidates, not only guys that you've coached with, but you're going to get guys that want to absolutely leave it, leave it out there for you because you're going to make them better. The development part isn't just on the field, but Coach Rule likes hiring young and developing. And you'll get a great reputation. You do the job to his liking, you're going to get an opportunity, presumably. And Rule's had his coordinators get head coaching job opportunities at some of the previous stops mm-hmm. or they, they move on or they end up in the NFL with him. So no, you're, you're going to get with the expectation being, we want you to reach your dream. If your dreams to be an OC, if your dreams to be a head coach, awesome. We'll help you get there. No hard feelings, but give us your all when you're here. So we'll dive into miles farmer here and the update here from Coach Rule on Farmer, and we'll talk a little bit here about you know what is next for Farmer, what's next for Nebraska in the safety spot, who are some of the names that we need to think about in case Miles isn't back. Here is Coach Rule. Miles was suspended to end the summer by us uh, just for um, simple things, nothing, nothing major, just you know sort, sort of some of our standards, and was not a member of the 120. So we'll, we'll wait and see how that all plays out. More on Farmer if he'll return or not from Coach Rule. I don't know. It's just kind of day by day, you know. Um, you know, like I said, the, you know, I love Miles. He's he's a competitive kid. He's, it's so hard when you have a new coach, right? And they have different standards than you're used to. So I get that, right? Um, we've been patient with a lot of guys, you know. Um, we'll see what happens with Miles, right? We'll see what happens, and you know, we'll see. You know, like I said, he, the ball's in his court. I mean, um, I'd love him to be here, but you know, you know, whatever whatever he wants to do. Um, I respect him as a man, so whatever he decides, I understand. You know, that's that's a very, I don't want to say politically correct. That that's, that's an answer to not put it on the kid, but understand that there's standards you got to meet to be here. And Elijah, Miles Farmer's a guy that I was going to use ink at that, one of those safety spots because of his experience at Nebraska, his ability at Nebraska, even from a young ball player, he was one of those guys that was forcing or getting turnovers. We had forced fumbles or interceptions, get out of Atlanta that super talented. And just the body type is something you want on that back end in run support, but also when it comes to coverage. So he's not easily replaceable. We've got some names we'll get into that, um, that, that Nebraska will have, are you going to get the same or better production assuming Farmer doesn't come back? Well, luckily Nebraska has a guy who I don't want to call him like for like because Miles Farmer is unique athletically in what he brings to the field, his frame. He's got mm-hmm. one of those NFL-type bodies. But you have a guy, a transfer in Corey Collier. Yeah, from who, Florida. He's flown a little bit under the radar because you were expecting Miles to step into that starting role. I mean, Miles is one of the reasons why guys like Phil Steele had Nebraska's secondary being the strength of its defense next year. All the returning talent you had with Newsom and with Miles Farmer, and then two guys that are coming back from injury, but you expect them to get some action this year, and, and Malcolm Hartsog and, and Marquise Buford. With that four, 
that's an experienced defensive backroom that you expect are, are going to lead that defense. Now you have question marks with that other safety spot. And Cord Collier's a guy, six foot one, almost 200 pounds. He's athletically a little bit unique in that back end as well. So you have that, but is he going to be ready to transfer in? Uh, is he going to be ready for big time Big Ten football? Omar Brown's a little bit undersized at that safety position after moving from cornerback. Is he going to be the guy that steps up and fills that role? I mean, you have a guy in Phelan Sanford, the former uh, walk-on from, I believe, Binkelman, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be able to step up and fill that role? He's been a special teams guy. Do you, you have, have a gift back there? You have you have a couple options, and I don't know if you want to make a position switch this close to the season, but it's a blow, but I don't think it's a blow that Nebraska is not going to be able to overcome with some of the talent in that room. Some of the names we'll, we'll get into. Elijah laid out a few folks that are candidates. You hope Farmer comes back, but you, you really like what you had with Farmer and Buford. Yeah. And I know they're, that Buford's coming back, and Hartsog, Oppo, Newsom's a nice uh, potential there, but we'll see. Uh, again, a strength that now has some uncertainty. More from Coach Rule, Billy Kemp, as uh, we're rolling here day one of camp at Tail Varsity, and we're presented by Currency. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're talking day one of fall camp. More comments from Matt Rule on dorm life. I should have asked him whether or not he has a lava lamp. Because that is standard for said dorm. Standard for your room. Once you get uh, to those teen years, at least it was for this old guy. And uh, you brought it from your your home bedroom to your dorm room. I think I had a little red and purple combo going on, and then somehow it got broken the move. I still think the wife thought it was the ugliest thing among many ugly things in my room. I'm trying to think back to some of the dorm room essentials because I I never lived- you just didn't want to you didn't want to have your your comforter too close to said. Yeah, because I, I think back, there was always Lava the because uh, they're a little hot. There was always the the elevated bed with the couch underneath. Yeah, we had, we had uh, yeah we had the, uh, the the freestanding loft. Yeah, yeah, and then on the other side, then you have your your roommate with their bed elevated underneath that a TV stand with a TV and a PlayStation or Xbox, whatever your your game of choices. That's a that's a classic dorm room essentially. Obviously, you have to have the mini fridge, an entire pallet of ramen in there for whenever you want it. <laughs> Uh, there's some good essentials for for the dorm room. But. Well, one of the essentials was the um, sock or tie on the the door handle, and one of us may have wandered in when roommate Jeremy from Sioux Falls had a female friend in there. Just expose him, dang. Well, it's all right. <laughs> I haven't talked to him in thirty years, so. But you just you just you kind of look and see that there's some some clothed wrestling going on and then you see who he's wrestling with and you just don't do it <laughs> you just you just gotta look out don't do it <laughs> tell us how you really feel schmitty <laughs> 
Yeah, well, oh, dorm life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there we go. Let's uh, spend a little bit more time on on uh, football and yeah, Nebraska. Please, let's get back Can we that. get back to it? <laughs> I think he was trying to escape, <laughs> but it was too long. A, it was too long a drop with those those lofts we had. Mm. There's no beds below as we put our fridge and our couch and everything. So, so she had him in a chokehold. Uh, she could arm wrestle him and beat him. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. I'm getting the mental picture now. Cute, even though I'd rather not. Cute gal. I'll say that. Uh, moving forward. <laughs> Farmer. Okay, so you've got Omar Brown. He's a guy that, that transferred in, didn't see a ton of action. Northern Iowa. He's been working at safety. He's been working at nickel. There's been the cross-training that's gone on. So we'll see if, if this opening... For and who knows, maybe maybe with spring ball, you were going to see more Omar Brown anyway. Uh, you have Deshaun Singleton, high profile dude. I believe he was a JUCO. Does yeah, that sound was. right? Yep. Uh, so he's he's a little more seasoned uh, in in the JUCO ranks. Javier Morton is is a body type that's good. But I like your take on Collier, a guy that saw a lot of t- time on special teams at Florida but not as much in-game action at, at safety. So they have some options. Tame and uh, Lynham is, is the one holdover from Florida from back in the day. I mean, Lynham's been here 400 years, bless his heart, and he's continued to stick it out. I don't know if Kobe Bretts, I loved him at Westside, if he's more of a kind of a hybrid backer option. Same with Gifford, obviously. You have Dwight Boodle. And then what we don't know is... What's the, you know, how soon's the availability of, of both Buford uh, and Hartsog? Hartsog is, is somebody that's just a good football player, lining him up opposite Newsom. Then there's, you know, the Buford uh, factor. I mean, that was a one two punch that you were excited about if you're Nebraska. You hope things, if you're a Nebraska fan, turn around for Farmer and things get taken care of because he's, he's a, an experienced asset. You want playing in Big Ten football. You want in an opener against Minnesota. But the, the the place my mind goes to is how different this feels than the situation with Anthony Grant to start spring football. With Anthony with Anthony Grant in spring football, he's got some things he he, he was still at practice. In order. He was still in practice. We're excited to have him back if he can get those things in order. This feels different with Matt Rule saying the balls in Miles's court whether or not he wants to return. Sure. Doesn't feel like the coaching staff at least reading in between the lines and reading the tea leaves, no inside information. It doesn't sound to me like the, the coaching staff is operating as if Miles Farmer is going to be back, which is, that's how it felt with Anthony Grant, with him being at practice. With how Door that was, was wide handled. open. Yes, it felt like they were expecting him to be back, but if he wasn't, they were going to handle that. This feels the opposite. This feels like a case of we're expecting him to not be back and we're going to operate in that way until we hear otherwise. So that's why the first place my mind goes is, is to Corey Collier with with how high profile of a transfer he was, one of the first guys that Nebraska and the coaching staff brought in along with, with Chief Borders from that Florida group. And and he was a guy that was high profile out of mm-hmm. high school, coming from the Miami area, picked... Uh, Four and a half, five-star recruit, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was was like all Florida and, and one of the, the top kids in Miami, which is a recruiting hotbed every single year, had offers from the likes of Georgia, Clemson, Tennessee. So the talents there. The newly led Brian Kelly LSU Tigers coming out of high school. I mean, Miami offered him as you'd expect that they would for being a Miami kid, but high profile kid, redshirted his freshman year at Florida and got some action, but 
you kind of get those freshman knocks out of the way and you're expecting a guy to take a, a big leap in year two. That's why he's the first place my mind goes to whenever you look at that depth chart. I don't want to discount Omar mm-hmm. Brown because he's a guy that was FCS All-American at Northern Iowa. Mm-hmm. Nebraska's coaching staff sounded really excited about him last year, but didn't see the field as much as you would have thought from him last year. Whenever he was on the field, he didn't he didn't quite flash like a, a guy that, that athletically does in Corey Collier. First place in my mind goes, I think Nebraska feels all right about what they have back there. Obviously, you'd like to have Farmer back, but you know what? If that opens the door for some younger guys getting some playing time, I don't think Coach Matt Rule and his staff are opposed to that. That's what their their calling card has been for years and years in the college ranks. They'll get him ready. That's uh, that's the plan anyway. A little bit more from, from Coach Rule. Uh, a rundown here. Let's hear about Josh Fleeks, his situation, and then we'll – here on Jacob Hood and Brody Tagaloa, uh, all three of these updates here from Rule earlier today. You know, Josh Fleeks reported yesterday and was uh, significantly over his uh, weight, so he was sent home to um, make his weight. So um, we'll wait and see how Josh does. That I don't hear a lot about wideouts and and weight. Do you? No, I I, I don't ever. <laughs> like those guys are always skinny. For, for a lot of their life. <laughs> so there's there's that. Uh, so, okay, duly noted, come in in shape and at your playing weight. Jacob Hood, this is a guy that, that transferred from Georgia. Absolutely monst- massive. Yeah, monster of a man. And it sounds like he is working through some some health issues uh, when it comes to his ankles. Jacob Hood, uh, just Jacob's just dealing with some chronic ankle stuff. Um, so, you know, he's uh, kind of a little bit more in just sort of a, a rehab mode right now. Um, that's why he wasn't there last night. He was, he was meeting with the doctors. And this is pretty jarring about Tagaloa with uh, uh, what happened with him. He's a guy that, that made the switch from tight end to rush end and somebody that, that really burst pretty well in that spring game. Brody Tagaloa. Unfortunately, Brody was in a, 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 a traffic incident, a car accident, a single car accident, a couple, a couple maybe about a week ago, a couple weeks ago. Um, he's home in California with his family, uh, recuperating. I FaceTimed him last night. Um, and so he's, uh, you know, had, had, a, had, had a cut to his face, had, a, uh, had to have surgery on his knee. We expect him to miss the year, unfortunately. Brody was coming along great, but he's got a bright future and good things will happen for Brody. So that that sucks. Car accident, and you got some recovery with Tagaloa and uh, Nebraska going to keep him in their thoughts for sure and uh, get him back. But Uh, I think whenever you hear a car accident where it's a potential head injury, the guy's face gets cut up, he has to have surgery on his knee, that's a damn serious car accident. I I think from an outside point of view, not knowing the ins and outs of the details, you're thankful that wasn't more serious. Sure. Well, and... uh, Chamber chimes in here. What constitutes significant weight for a wideout? Is it five? Is it ten? Is it twenty? I would say probably that fifteen to twenty pound window, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Well, significant is yeah. is where you have to read it between the lines. There, significantly overweight. So, and I am significantly overweight, but uh, thankfully Elijah's not locked the door well, on. Thankfully, me. you're not a wide receiver. <laughs> no, no, that would be problematic. So, rule lays out just overall his thoughts on day one as uh, Nebraska was able to put some pretty good work in. 
I was really calm and peaceful today. Like I, I really felt a sense of like just calm. Like for my, you know, for my day one of coaching a team in fall camps, my fourth time being a head coach and having to be day one. Um, these guys are just way further along than you know. They just understand what we're asking them to do, and the staff has done a great job. Like you know, Susan's worked every day this summer to get them. Like Garrett McGuire didn't go on vacation; he stayed every day this summer. So, like. They're just so much, the team's so much further along in terms of understanding what we're asking that it just made me, you know, I'm not out there having to be a maniac making sure every drill's like, they understand where it's supposed to be. So um, I, I just got, I have to give a lot of credit to the players. I mean, they really worked this summer. Um, and I'll say one thing, I, I think Billy spoke today, Billy Kemp. Like, I mean, like he's an edgy, tough, feisty dude. Like someone, someone wants to jump me and I see Billy, I'm saying, hey, Billy, will you help me out? Like he's a guy I'm taking into a, a dark alley with me. But I watch him out there with the players in the summer and I watch him coach those guys every single he's always pulling a guy over and saying hey let me talk so our young players are pretty much further along because of the culture of our older players here and uh, you know I really appreciate that I think Nebraska in this portal when we talk about who is added I think they got some we guys I think they got some guys that are confident and there's always a story with a transfer there's always a story with portal and you look at a guy like Billy Kemp, we'll hear some from Kemp here in about five minutes. He's a guy that just wants to win. Sims is a guy that just wants to come in and win. Those are two of your leaders on offense that are going to put the work in. They expect everyone else to do it, but once you see them doing it, and Sims said as much to us last week in Indy that he wants to win. He's going to put the work in. He's going to hold you to a certain expectation, but it's not like he's do as I say, not as I do. And and that really hits well with teammates. You've got mature guys on this football team. They just haven't been wearing that red end for very long. That's, that's a difference. And if it holds true and they get some breaks and they – kind of round into form, that's why it's okay for you to be optimistic beyond this 6-6 six and six number or this 5-7 and seven or this 4-8 and eight that you've seen in the past. Because if you got the right makeup, Elijah, don't kid yourself, there's been an emphasis put on chemistry from who's rooming with who in the dorms, the emphasis of put your phone down, let's play some cards, let's get more FaceTime, not in the iPhone standpoint, and let's really get you connected with a teammate and then get you coached up, whether you're young or you're old. And uh, the work's been put in. We'll hear from Kemp and some of that off-season work he's done. Uh, thoughts on the Big Ten expanding. Hale Varsity continues. Coach McBride's about 30 minutes away. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio with you on a Monday. We're presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal can send some emails. Chris at HaleVarsity.com is where you go. Uh, you have Brennan chiming in, a friend from the Black Hills. Good to hear and see you, Brennan. Uh, bummed about Farmer. It seems like we see this every year. There's always a surprise maybe to us when it comes to what we think the roster slash too deep could be. And what it is, be it injury or departure or, or what have you, we'll see if things shake out differently from uh, what we're at now, now day one of camp to maybe that first week uh, leading up to, to Minnesota. Two weeks of dorm life, Elijah will get things mm-hmm. 
uh, fine-tuned. And to, to Brennan's point, that's just kind of life in, in two facets. One, it's life in football in that, you know what, things happen on a football field, whether it be injuries or, or what have you. And then it's also life with 18 to 22-year-olds. We've talked with a lot of people about, you know what, you're looking at a 16, 17-year-old kid trying to predict development. It's hard to do. Sometimes you're going to have a kid that, that absolutely – source the top of the depth chart from being a walk-on or from being a low three-star because you know what? He's developed this offseason in a way that you didn't expect because you hit that, that age of 18 to 22 and, and things get a little bit hard to predict. And then also that, that same vein, 18 to 22-year-olds, kids have a lot of things going on in their lives, 18 to 22. It's a maturity things, thing. It's it's what's important to you. Yeah, yeah. Your, your priorities change. Your maturity changes. Sometimes people just decide, you know what? Football isn't for me. You know what? I, the, the amount of dedication we have to put in this this summer, it's not for me. I see my friends out there who are living normal lives and I'm being dedicated to a thing that, it, that I loved when I was 16, but now that I turned 21 years old, it's not what I love anymore. There's, things change in life, mm-hmm. and, and when Brennan says, you know what, it seems like we see this every single year. Yeah, we do, because that's life whenever you're dealing with kids like this. Well, and, and farmers and elder statesmen, one guy that we just touched on, his maturity and his talent, but he could be a, a monster get for Nebraska, not just because of what he can do on the field, but what he also does in that meeting room is Billy Kemp. And, and Kemp's a guy that is very talented, and you're really appreciative if you're a Nebraska fan to get him and, and see what he can do in this wide receiver room. But he is a twofold win. If he breaks loose on the field, uh, possession-wise or just yards after catch, that's big for this passing offense. Also, knowing what buttons to push and the lead-by-example high-standard guy where no one's going to – you just heard Rule talk about, guess who's coming with me in a, in a dark alley? <laughs> it's Billy Kemp because uh, he's, he's going to have my back and we're going to win that, uh, that Donnybrook. But Kemp was asked about his early objectives. What's he want to get done uh, this camp here in Lincoln? Prove to the team and to the coaches that I'm there whenever they need me, doing whatever they need me to do. Um, and, you know, just working hard, attacking every day, trying to get 1% better. And I feel like that's what we have been doing so far. Uh, Kemp's other early objective to pull the power cord on that jackhammer. Was that jackhammer? I thought it was an air compressor. Whatever, whatever, it, was, it, was. whatever it was, it was, uh, it was loud. Uh, more from Kemp here on his role in the offense. I want my role to be whatever the offense needs, you know, uh, whether that's running routes, coming out the backfield, um, blocking, whatever you, whatever you need me to do, I'm here. So he's, yeah, he, does he want to catch 12 ga- uh, balls a game? Sure. Is he good with the win above all? That's what he is to me. That's what he's absolutely, there's no diva, there's no, entitlement there's just work there's just work and i'm going to push everyone else to to be that way so chemistry is big we've hit on it a lot and he was asked about his chemistry with sims how that's gone and how it continues to grow yes sir i feel like the whole room does the whole receiver room does and you know the summer was big for us coming into this fall camp uh doing seven on seven and just having throwing sessions so i feel like the chemistry within the room has definitely grown so uh Look forward to building on that during this fall camp. Elijah, he made it a point, too, to, to get in early as him and Sims were both transfer students. And Kemp went into a little more detail about that early chemistry with Sims. 
I think it just comes from the way we both work. Uh, we just put the work in to, you know, to ultimately get to where we need to be. Uh, if we weren't there the first day, we were going to work to get there closer to it the second day, the third day, the fourth day. So, you know, that's just been our process, just working together and knowing we have to attack in front of the season. So, you know, just uh, trying to accomplish our goals we have set for. We'll have a little bit more from Kemp here before the end of hour one, but there's a lot of sincerity just you know standing near him when he's answering those questions. He's taken the, the questions from the media and, Elijah, pretty much a no-nonsense guy. Yeah, that's exactly how I describe his his media session this morning. The one comment out there that I think is, it, it hits a little different whenever you hear the rest of the media session. In a one-off quote that, that people throw up on Twitter, people throw on a radio show or what have you, it, it's a little bit out there. Maybe we'll get there. But it, it was him when he talked about the offensive potential this year. And I think it has to be taken into context with how he describes the rest of that media session. As you said, he's no-nonsense. He's not a guy who's going to, get up there and and be big for the media you know try to try to build his own personal he's not brand. making promises he's not making promises i think he's very real when he gets up there and what you hear is is his true thoughts and, and beliefs it, it's not anything that's played up just because you're standing in front of 35 different media members but he gets into you know what i think this offense has a potential to be one of the best in the country and whenever he says it you go you know what after hearing the entire media session, I believe that's truly what you think. Well, it is. Let's hear let's hear Kemp talk about where he thinks the offense can go. I feel like we can be the best offense uh, in the nation. Honestly, we have weapons and we have everything we need. We have the coaches, we have the players. Um, it's just on us to put it together. He gave you the why. He sees the talent. He goes against the talent. He works with the talent. And above all, he knows the work that's gone in. It's been there at ground zero with the work, and it's all good for him to make that. He's not projecting. He's not declaring. He's not guaranteeing. He's asked a, a point-blank question about, you know, what, what kind of offense. Because we all want to know, is it going to be somehow you squeeze out 21 points in Big Ten play, or can you get closer to that 30 number? What type of balance are you going to have? Are you going to be – Let's throw a deep ball on third and 12 because that's what can work like last year. Or are you going to be able to establish a run game and then throw when you want to? Can you can you run when you want to? Can you run when you have to? Well, you've seen Nebraska's offense be great in recent years. And you can point to the offensive line and some of the, the faults there last year is why they, they seemingly took a step back. But there was a hell of a lot of talent on that offense last year and a hell of a lot of talent that came back. I mean, look at. You have Billy Kemp, a guy that we saw flash in the spring game. Xavier Betts, we've seen flash through the years. Jeff Sims flashed at Georgia Tech with his running and throwing ability. The tight end room, you have two of the most highly touted tight end prospects over the past five years in college football, and Eric Gilbert and Thomas Fedoni. The offensive line, they're bullish on what they can be this year. That remains to be seen. But you look across that offense, and you know what? There is talent there. Can they clean up self-inflicted mistakes? Can they clean up pre-snap penalties? Can they clean up drop passes? Can you clean up a running back going outside whenever he should be staying inside and getting your, your three yards? There's little things you need to clean up, but there's potential within that offense. I, I believe what he says. Judd chimes in the stream as well. Uh, Kemp seems like to, to be a dog. Love his attitude. Judd also comments on uh, Farmer. Uh, isn't surprising to Judd. Uh, DUI last year, four-game suspension. So you, you have uh, Farmer that uh, we're wondering if he gets back. And uh, Kemp, the right attitude for sure. We'll wind down hour one next. And now. And now. Back to Hail 
Hell Varsity Radio. About 10 minutes away, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, will join us on Monday with Charlie. Good coach's take on Nebraska football as camp is underway. Jay Moore, Big Red wrap-up. He'll be with us in Hour 2 as well. Reminder about buckling up. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol-impaired driver. Why take chances if you drink? Don't drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Lots of thoughts from Coach Rule. Some info from Billy Kemp. We'll get some of Coach McBride's take on Big Ten expansion. We meant to get there a little bit sooner. Let's talk real quick. Good stuff. Uh, Billy D. sent this to us uh, last night. Bill Dolman from Athlon. And Washington and Oregon were, were not shocked by their name associated with the Big Ten. Uh, Clemson and Florida State, you wondered if and where the Big Ten would expand along the southeastern part of the United States. And I say don't stop with Clemson and Florida State. I think there'll be problems, as in roadblocks from South Carolina and the University of Florida, to have another Florida school and another school from South Carolina join the SEC. They play each other anyway every year, all right, the the whole in-state rivalry thing. So the Big Ten could come calling. You've got Clemson and Florida State whining loudly about all they've done for the league, more so Clemson, and they're not paid appropriately. They hate the idea of revenue sharing. Now, they would get in line for revenue sharing if it's the Big Ten payday. Now, I, I don't know what adding four more teams would do to each team's take-home. You've already signed your, 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 your deal, but that triple header would be pretty awesome. It's going to be awesome anyway. But you add those four schools, get those four. Does that push Notre Dame, Elijah? If the ACC's really a, a league that they played part-time anyway and you have no Clemson or Florida State win opportunity – for strength of schedule, Notre Dame's fine. Their schedule strength's really good anyway. But do they get forced into a Big Ten, and then do you go pick up North Carolina? That was the name I was going to go to, is North Carolina, because they have been putting more resources into their football program within the past decade or so. And you combine that with what they bring to the basketball court, and I know basketball isn't what pays the bills anymore in college sports. It is football, but they're good enough at football. I think they'd raise your level of basketball. Would they leave without Duke because of the importance of that rivalry? I, think you, I think you can go non-conference all on Nebraska Creighton every single year in sure. basketball. Duke and, Carolina, Duke and Carolina and NC State, they can, they can play one another every year in basketball. They can, make, they can carve that out. It doesn't have to be twice a year in league play or a third time in the ACC title game. You've had the ACC get rated anyway. Uh, and it's it's been a situation where go get me North Carolina. You've got that Jordan brand and tie. Uh, I'm, I'm okay if you don't get Florida State. I think Miami could work. Mm-hmm. But Florida State's kind of more on the, uh, the ascension. Cutter chimes in and Cutter, we'll, we'll talk to Coach McBride. He knows both spots well about the offensive and defensive line the next four weeks. Cutter nails it. Yeah. That is going to be the key to the winning season. What do you get from your defensive line, your offensive line? I know Ty Robinson spoke earlier today as well. We'll try and get some of that uh, for tomorrow 
But uh, Coach McBride is next. Jay Moore on the way. Hour two coming up. It's Hale Varsity. And we're presented by Currency. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. We're efforting Coach McBride. We'll see how things uh, work out there. Hoping to hear from Mr. Blackshirt himself, Charlie McBride, on a Monday. And then Jay Moore with us here at 525-489-1240. The numbers to get in. And can also email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. So that's uh, where we're at uh, with uh, this. It's day one of camp and all sorts of excitement for Nebraska football. Good stuff as we brought it back from Indianapolis. And there's a lot of things to to look at. You have some comparisons being made by a, a national talking head about Matt Rule in the Brian Kelly mold. (laughs) And listen, you can say and think a lot of things about Brian Kelly, but the guy can coach and he wins and he did well at Notre Dame and he made the jump to LSU and man, they did it well in year one. So if, if Matt rules another version of Brian Kelly, I am good with that because he develops talent and he wins and guys who win at Cincinnati uh, tend to do well at their next spots. And let me just say, this this came from Josh Pate, yep. who does the late kick. If you don't know much about him, I really enjoy his podcast. And uh, Pretty measured. I'm not going to tell you to listen to him before you listen to us, but he is a, he is a good podcast. It's another, it's another podcast. To yeah, another, great another podcast. Yeah. Another one. That's a good way of putting it, Schmitty. And uh, Josh is a guy that he is not one of those guys in the national media that throws Nebraska's name around to get clicks from Nebraska fans. Among the national media... I think he's probably one of the guys that talks about Nebraska the least. He cares about the teams that really are relevant to the national scene of college football. Who's, who's a playoff contender. That's what he's going to be talking about. And really, he, he's a guy that's from the South. He, he spends a lot of his time talking about the SEC. I'm not to say he hasn't talked about Nebraska ever in his his career as a podcast host, but it's not what he makes his bread, his bread and butter on, you know, getting clicks from the Husker fans. For him to say that, and he got a, a one-on-one sit-down with Matt Rule last week at Big Ten Media Days. For him to go out and, and say that, I mean, I know Brian Kelly's a guy that Josh Pate respects tremendously. And from that, I mean, he hasn't talked all that much about Matt Rule this offseason since the hire. For him to go make that comparison, Josh is one of the guys who's measured in college football and doesn't throw that kind of stuff around willy-nilly. That's a, a big comparison to be made. But I, I can see where he's coming from. Just in terms of, of Brian Kelly, he's usually pretty put together in front of the media whenever he shows up at a new stop you know what he's going to try to be one of the people accent and all yeah my family who could forget that <laughs> I, I mean do declare <laughs> i mean i i see the comparison that he's making and obviously the results on the field are the most important part of that comparison that's what we haven't yet seen but 
it's a reasonable comparison to be made to say, you know what, you're a team that's north of north of the Mason-Dixon line that can put together consistent success every single year, and you have the head coach in place that can do it. So you have Husker David weighing in. You know, I'm not 100%, but I believe the experience and the extra time and work on fundamentals uh, will be the best in the long run. And it kind of goes in reference to Judd weighing in on Teddy P. And that is an interesting discussion point. There's been some clamoring for the offensive line. We heard from Turner Corcoran earlier today. And uh, you have, uh, and it's fair just because of the injury situation with Teddy P. Uh, is he the guy to, to make it happen at left tackle? You've got Gatula. You know the Gatula as well. We've covered Southeast for a lot of years here. And Gatula's come in at a really high level. Uh, and is is somebody that you don't want to see forced into action before he's ready. But he's a guy you can feel absolutely really good about with uh, development and some seasoning. Elijah, I I am interested as all all get out about the offensive tackle spot because right now Turner didn't tell us what tackle spot he was working at, but he kind of begrudgingly said, yeah, I'm working at tackle, not Mm -hmm. guard, because you're Kind of loaded up at guard. I think you know who the guards are going to be this year. And, you got Piper and, and Newelli. There was some doubt in my mind about Piper until he's a representative at Big Ten Media Days. That, that says something from the coaching staff about the you. confidence that they have in a guy in Ethan Piper. We knew Nuri. We saw him two years ago. He's a guy that I have a lot of trust in and mm-hmm. his ability to, to play that left guard spot. It was the right guard spot that I was unsure about because the question was, well, if Nuri has to move over to the right side, that leaves the left guard spot open. Is that Turner's spot now at left guard? But at left tackle, it seems like you're going to have a position battle between Teddy Prohaska and Turner Corcoran to be that guy. And then elsewhere on the offensive line, I think you kind of know down the line who is going to be where. Because you have Nuri, who has experience at left guard, has been there before. He's coming back now after another year under his belt, as we, we said here, to get some 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 more work done in the offseason, get some more polish on his game. Ben Scott, the transfer coming in at center. At right guard, well, you sent Ethan Piper to Big Ten Media. I think that means you expect him to be a contributor this year. And that right tackle, probably Ben Hart. See, what, what I like is assuming things hold true, where you've got a, a healthy Teddy and a Teddy that stays healthy. On that left side, you have Turner that can swing because he's played both spots. Or if if Ben Hart just doesn't get it done, and I know he's worked his butt off and he's he's got some preseason All Big Ten pro- projection, so the the frame is there, the talent is is there as the number one player in Minnesota. You get him in that recruiting win. You have a you need a third tackle. I think back to what Nebraska had, where you had Searles and Qualley, and who else was the third tackle they had? They had three guys they they rotated in. Uh, was it A Rod or was he a guard? Help me out here. Uh, Rodriguez was a guard. guard. Should I just pull up the roster for you? You're fine. You had uh, you had another kid out of Hastings, I think, that was Stirrup. Right? Oh, yeah, Zach Stirrup. Yes, yeah, so you, so, you had, so, you had, so you had those three guys and, and guys anchoring down. No, I think, I think Ted, what I, what I didn't see move, moving forward was like the last great Nebraska win, and that was the 56-7 blowout of Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Okay, And what you had briefly was Teddy and Turner on that left side. 
You had Turner at guard. You had Teddy at, at left tackle. And wow, I think you're good with Ben Scott at center, clearly. And the Nebraska's job right now is is to keep developing a guy in, in Turner Corcoran to, to be ready. Left, right, win the job, be a guy that gets in and contributes if, if they rotate in. And you just, you just don't know. You need a guy like Turner to be ready to either win the job outright at left or right or come in if the injury bug bites again. It's not really bent, bit Ben Hart, but it has bitten Teddy. And, and you're sick for him because there's all sorts of talent uh, in that body for him. And, and just the mentality these guys have moving forward with a second year under Riola where they are going to fire off the ball. It's not going to be a situation where they're, they're hung out the dry and they're one-dimensional theoretically. They don't want to be on offense. Nebraska's best and most useful play was finding Palmer deep, right? Well, new offense, new quarterback, quarterback that's at 230 in, in Sims, it's got to be durable himself. So, yeah, big question marks. Uh, you've got... Scott that is has come in and he's like one of the old guard and then you've got some good options. You still have Lutowski at, at a guard spot. You still have some some of those options. So it seems like you got three folks for the spots aside from center with Scott. Well, and I, I feel like there's a great way to take pressure off of your offensive tackles, and that's be damn good at running the football. <laughs> if you're damn good at running the football, you know what that edge rusher is going to do on third and three? He's got to play his run keys. He's not going to be pinning his ears back on, on third and long and trying to come around that corner and, and beat you're you around down the edge. distance is important? A hundred percent. As a former offensive tackle, not at a very high level, but as a former offensive tackle, I can say, man, you know what sucks? Third and 14, whenever that edge rusher gets to go line up 10 yards outside of you, pin his ears back and use the athleticism. I'm fat, man. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get there. I'm, I'm going to try and make my way outside with that kick step and just pray that I don't or, get nailed for holding. Or, or worse yet, the defense can say, ah, we're not too worried about the run. We can bring in our, our skinny, fast guy to come around the edge because he doesn't have to go play his run keys. He can just go beat you with speed around the outside. What a defense can do based on down and distance can really hamper you in your offensive line. When you think back to Nebraska's offensive line last year, if there was anything greater than second and seven, they're going to throw the football. And if they mm-hmm. throw the football in second and seven, if it's not a first down, they're going to be throwing the football again. Defensives were able to pin their ears back against that Nebraska offensive line. So you want to take some pressure off the guys that have struggled in recent years and, and Corcoran and Ben Harton. Maybe, God forbid, you'd prefer it if it didn't happen. But if you have to throw a guy like Gunnar Gatula into the fire, you'd prefer it if you're just not going up against the, the, the who's who edge rushers in the Big Ten that just get to pin their ears back. And if there is any consolation in this, Nebraska avoids the top edge rushers in the conference this year for the most part. You have to face... Uh, the, the Stewart guy out of Michigan. Mm-hmm. He was preseason all Big Ten. And then there's a kid out of Illinois as well whose name is Illinois has got some dudes that, that Levy's loaded up. And, and you have you've had the last two years, Elijah, of top fifteen defenses and first through third round picks. That that Mafe guy from Minnesota was a pain in the neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had your your Michigan freak shows off the edge that were no good to deal with Ohio State's guys. Uh, Scott chimes in. You got to get the big Lutowski. I like that, not the big Lebowski, on the field. So, yeah, they're, they're all working. I mean, you've got guys that have been a part of the program. There's been a lot of starts together. We'll see. And they'll get a test, man, because Minnesota's going to want to punish 
Nebraska offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be what that 7 o'clock kickoff's all about. Bring the ice, uh, take the under, and try and get out of Dodge with a 21-17 win or a 14-10 or a 17-10, whatever it may be. But you got a quarterback that is going to be a difference maker on those unscripted if it does break down off the edge theoretically. And that's another thing that, that takes some pressure off of your offensive line is that ability to have a quarterback that can scramble or you know mm-hmm. what he can pull the ball on, on first and 10 and you, you lose a defender that way you're going around the corner and you pick up eight yards t- there's ways to take the pressure off your offensive line and nebraska didn't utilize any of them last year mm-hmm. so that should be noted when we have this conversation about the improvement of the offensive line get to some emails here can email chris at hailvarsity.com can dial up 489-1240-489-1240 or 800-825-5865 uh, can join the show that way. More of your comments coming in on the stream. Who's on the horn? We go to Pete on the line. Pete, thanks for calling. Welcome into Hale Varsity. Go ahead. How you doing today? We're good, man. Excited that day one of camp is uh, behind us. Uh, one of the questions I have on offense, the offensive line, do you know if they're going to be a zone-blocking team or are they going to be a assigned blocking team this year? Uh, we will ask Coach Raiola when he's there, but I, I the, think... The plan was, was they're firing off the football, not zone block, and they're, they're going straight assignment, being more of a power football team. That was the plan. Now, it should always be noted that anything before game one of your first season in charge, you know what, some of that stuff can be stuff you're telling the media, but I, I tend to believe, based on what we saw in the spring game and based on Coach Raiola's history, that they're going to be firing off the ball. They'll be playing more of a power scheme. Mm-hmm. I guess, in my opinion, I think this year's success is going to depend upon injuries. Uh, in a large part, and uh, the second part will be how much does the players buy in to the new system. If they buy in and work really hard, we could have a pretty good year. Uh, But uh, I think a lot of it's going to depend on that. Well, and that's what's so key about that opener against Minnesota, Colorado. What's your record look like as you get towards Michigan? Uh, Do you stumble? Tough, tough draw. Pete, thanks for the phone call tough reality with with having to open up for a third straight year on the road against a Big Ten West team. You had Bielema's debut for Illinois. You had the Ireland roadie where the Guinness was incredible. That was it. And then you you open up this year with Minnesota. Yeah, injury is going to be key, but can you get to the end of September at three and one? Uh, Two and two would hurt, but it's better than what the alternative has been. I mean, they've they've had some really tough September starts, even against some of the, all right, uh, we'll pay you a million and come on in here for the uh, the old W. And that wasn't always the case when you look at George Southern. And I guess I understand Pete's point about injuries, but you also have to understand that in a football season, injuries are going to happen. Whenever you look around the Big Ten and some of Nebraska's opponents in recent years, it's about execution, and there's that next man, up, next man up mentality that so many other teams we've seen it from that we haven't quite seen it from Nebraska. I mean, you mentioned that that Brett Bielema opener. It's Arthur Sitkowski leading the <laughs> Illinois up and down <laughs> they, the field, the backup a, quarterback that we didn't talk about all week long. No. But they went next man up, and he was able to go out there and execute the offense. I mean, look at Donovan Edwards last year against Ohio State. Blake Corum goes down, and he's able to go up there and, and fill his shoes because he's able to execute and do the things that they had practiced all week long. And And... Sure, there's a piece of that of, of having some depth and being able to build that through years, but it's also about 
practicing the right way and being confident in your two deep that, you know what, if a starter goes down, we have a guy that he might not be as good, but we're still confident in him to execute. I don't think Nebraska's had that in the past no, couple years. No, was smart enough to say, we're going to lean on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to lean on Brown. We're going to find the tight end. We're going to make the throws easy. Art, don't turn the damn football over. Art Sikowski <laughs> beat you. <laughs> the name that will live on forever in my memory. Because I remember watching that game being like, we didn't talk about this dude once. I don't know anything about Art Sitkowski. We didn't know if Art was going to be able to handle the snap. He was. He handed off and he hit some play action. That, that Illinois offense looked like the best in the country for about a quarter and a half. Yeah, and then the old strip sack. Take a drink. Hit your bingo card. We'll get some thoughts from Jay Moore. We'll try and run Coach McBride down tomorrow. Hail Varsity continues on a Monday. And we're presented by Currency. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red and NFL vet. This dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, the Blackshirt Hour continues. Jay Moore with us on Hale Varsity Radio at Moore 44 It's where you find him on Twitter. You catch him on Big Red Wrap-Up, co-hosting that. Jay, camp is here. I know uh, you got a little grin to you about that. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys? We're good, man. Back from Indy, back from media days, the uh, unofficial kickoff to the season, and uh, things have slid just into camp. And a new chapter, man, with with Coach Rule and his expectations, and above all, uh, detail. Uh, That's what sticks out to me about coach rule we'll get into a lot of things i want to start off though and get your reaction about miles farmer 11 game starter last year he kind of had a nose for the football early in his career with interceptions and enforcing turnovers a guy that's played a lot of ball in that back area yeah not the news you wanted to hear going into the start of fall camp i think there's a him and a handful of other guys are either dealing with issues or disciplinary or dis- disciplinary um, issues, but it's pretty black and white so far with Coach Rule. And, and to my understanding, is these are these is this is what expected of you. If you don't hit these expectations, you're out. I think I think you clearly saw that with uh, Coach Wager last week, and then and seeing him leave. Um, I think you've seen it so far with guys going into fall camp. We saw multiple guys come into fall camp uh, suspended. It is very black and white. Uh, there's no gray area. You either you're in and you're doing the right things. You're doing the necessary things to be a part of this team and to make this team better. And if you're not, you're not going to be a part of it. And whether that's for a certain amount of time, uh, you know, kicked off permanently. But obviously, the door is is open as well because you saw. Anthony Grant kind of started off fall, or excuse me, spring ball. This this last uh, just a few months ago, uh, I think he missed maybe a couple practices, but then he's back on because he got his you know his uh, school issues cleaned up. So uh, I have no problem with it. You know, you'd you'd like to see guys who have contributed and who would probably start against Minnesota here in a few weeks be a part of camp day one. But listen, this they cannot. Uh, these are the necessary things you have to do to clean things up. If we're talking about accountability. If we're talking about doing your job correctly, if we're talking about the fine, small details that have honestly cost this this football program 
20 how many i mean what's the record schmitty in in what seven and 25 and one score games it's, in the last it, handful of years we, we've tried to black that out you know like will ferrell <laughs> doing the debate scene in old school yes. yeah <laughs> we've tried but, to black that out but yes i think right. you're i think but you're on to something but taking care of the, the fine details this this is what turns that seven and 20 whatever record into you know 18 and and seven you know whatever it is you know that's that's the fine detail. And you have to, when it comes to this level of football, the fine details matter. This isn't high school anymore. You can't get by on your athletic ability anymore. You have to do everything right. And that's that starts from your academics. That starts from taking care of your body. That starts from being on time. That starts from uh, the X's and O's and being a good teammate. So I have, like I said, I, they have to do the necessary things because this, this, this football program has not met expectations that have been set and hasn't been part of this state for decades, right? Mm-hmm. So, and he 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 hit the nail on the head last week at Indy. You know, we have to earn people's respect again. This this program was feared at one time, and it's not anymore. And to get back to that, everyone has to be on the same page. If you're not, you're going to suffer the consequences. And it's pretty plain and simple. It's Jay Moore with us here on Hale Varsity Radio and. Jay, from a football sense, what is Nebraska losing in Miles Farmer? Should he not return to this football team, or, or should he have a, a delayed absence from the team? He's a guy who started 11 games at safety, and he's been on the field a ton during his Husker football career. From, from a, a defensive point of view, having that kind of guy at the back end is valuable to have. What do you think Nebraska is losing from a football sense with Miles Farmer suspended? Simply, I mean, he's a really good football player. He's played early and often in his career. He's made some you know, good plays. I've I, I vaguely remember, I think it was the COVID year, the first game maybe against uh, Northwestern. He made a couple nice splash plays in there as a, as a young player. You can't replace guys who have played, I always, I always say live bullet action, right? Mm-hmm. You, can't, you, can, you can simulate all you want in practice, but until you actually do it in a game against another colored jersey, another opponent, it's, it's just different. And he has, he has that experience to play back there in the second level, to play special teams, and to do it very, very well against an opposing team. And he knows what it, what it takes to get it done. So it's a hit. You know, I think you know, arguably this, the secondary might be one of the deepest spots on this team. So hopefully we don't – if he's not able to come back, if he is, there is some sort of delay, it's not felt too deeply into, this, into, the, into the secondary of this defense – but it's 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 going to take something. To, it's going to take some recovery to get used to because he's a good player. You can step back there. He, he is long. He's rangy. He is athletic. He has a body type that you just you just don't see. And that he has a he has an NFL type body back there to play in the secondary. Those guys are getting those guys are getting t- drafted in the first three rounds. Long, lean, athletic, can run, has good ball skills. Those you see those guys going all the time. Uh, you know, I don't. He has built is more of like a sauce gardener, just long and, and athletic, you know, and uh, I know he's, he's played more at the safety role, not the corner like sauce does. But again, that's just a type of body type that you see at the next level that you just can't go out there and just grab another guy and say, Hey, you look just, you look like uh miles farmer. Let's go in there and do his job. It's just not that easy. So it's going to be felt if he's, if he's not able to come back anytime soon and they'll have to develop some guys here in training camp to step up and uh, carry that load. 
Jay Moore is with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And Jay, I'll get your thoughts on uh, one more comment that we got in from Rule today. You said practice done today in just under an hour and 45 minutes. What's your reaction to that? We were just talking last week about the grind of fall camp, and I think we can expect that those practice times will start moving up as the players get acclimated and ready to go. But day one, hour 45 minutes. If you were at Nebraska, what, what would that do to you and, and to the team being out of there in under two hours? Yeah, that's a rather short. I was I'm somewhat surprised. I wonder if that includes, you know, walkthroughs mm. or not. Is that total on the field time or is that walkthroughs and then they go into stretch, warm up, and then it's our, I don't know. But still, it's a very short time. Like, I, I think I, I joked on here and it's, I wasn't joking. I was, it was a true story, you know, with Callahan. If there were, you had the days with one practice, you're out there for, you're on the field for over three hours. There was, there was, you were, there's no chance that you were getting off there in two hours and 45 minutes, let alone an hour and 45 minutes. But it's, Again, you're kind of starting this process of what I think coaches can kind of, especially new coaches, you can kind of fall in that trap of trying to get so much accomplished. But if they've done a good job through spring ball installing, throughout the summer installing, there's no reason you need to be out there for three hours doing things. Let's let's get on let's get on the field. Let's be efficient. Let's take care of what we need to take care of. Let's really you know keep the guys healthy, keep them refreshed. There's going to be times where we're going to be out there longer. They're going to have scrimmages. They're going to do all sorts of things, live game simulations, get ready for Minnesota. But it's day one. You, you don't, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a sprint. It's, it's, a, it's a marathon. They're going to get their, they just step foot on. And we always said the first day of fall camp is the greatest you're ever going to feel. So tomorrow, you're starting tomorrow, start, you know, you're never going to feel as good as you felt at the beginning of practice today. So it's just a grind. And I think he understands that. Yeah, I know he he preaches the recovery aspect. And I think that's very important to him. And if you're if that's important, you better implement it and preach it and be a man of your word. So I I, I, I have no problem with it. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> you know, I, I I'm very jealous. Those hour and forty five minute practice. Those those are nice. Those are uh, those are a good thing to have. And that's you you realize that as a player as well. Your coach is taking care of you. You want to take care of him too. So what's the right amount here? What's the prescription jay between getting your team absolutely physically ready and you beat the hell out of one another enough to be good thursday night against minnesota so you're not limping into that or Mm -hmm. over exhausted uh, wore out before you even hit the ground running with those two road games minnesota and colorado let alone what november holds for nebraska in the Big Ten, is there a, a right prescription? You know, I don't. I don't think there is. But your first day of camp, and and again tomorrow, with no pads, there's only so much you can do. Sure. There's only so many things you. It's it's more install. You're getting used to uh, where you're supposed to be at during practice. Just kind of knocking some of that rust off, getting your eyes back to keying on the right things from an offensive or defensive standpoint. But again, there's like I said, it'll be probably the same amount. And then I think they can put the half pads on the third third practice. And I think they, I think practice, I think they have to do that for three straight days. I think practice six, they can have full pads, I believe, or maybe it's practice five. I don't, I know things have been tweaked quite a bit here and there. But you don't need to be out there killing each other for three hours in pads. I, you, they'll have some scrimmages. I think you can get in this day and age, you can get your, your, your work done in two hours or two and a half hours and be very, very efficient at it. You just got to under, you just got to have a clear mindset of what you want to get accomplished. And they do, they have their, they have their practice scripts, they have whatever, whatever they want to get attacked during that practice. And then 
if you need to change and adjust as you go, or maybe you're in a practice, hey, I don't know how like how this went. We're going to restart this. We're going to do this tomorrow because this obviously didn't go that didn't went well the practice before. That's going to happen. That's always going to happen. But if you're trying to establish a physical football team, which I know he he wants, you're going to have some nine on seven periods, heavy nine on seven periods. That's run. You're going to have a lot of good on good, ones on ones, twos on twos, ones on twos, twos on ones type of scenarios. And again, you're going to have to get some of those younger guys reps. I think he said in the in the press conference after practice that you know the the freshman young guys got 40 reps today. You know that's that's awesome to hear. You know that's that's a thing that uh, I, in years past I don't know if that was um, if that was addressed, if that was approached. But I know in his conversation with with Tom that you know that's what they took pride in is back in you know the the four station days of, of the 90s you know was their their younger guys got a ton of reps they got a, just as many as the starters almost during practice during camp so uh i think it's it's always ever evolving but i tell you what you just got to understand who you are and what you want to be going into minnesota and you just got to stick to that process and once the haze in the barn the haze in the barn right you don't get you can't ask for another day you can't ask for another week to prepare you can only prepare as what with, with what you got in front of you, and that started today. And it's it's a long process for these kids, and I'm excited to see them go through it in these through these next couple of weeks until August 31st. Black shirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore with us here, Hale Varsity Radio on a Monday. We'll spend a few more minutes with Jay on the other side. Uh, more thoughts on camp and uh, what this team can be. Just day one, we understand, but good stuff from Coach Rule and Billy Kemp earlier. Also, Ty Robinson, his video up, and uh, check that out. I know he's, aside from the bed he's got to deal with, uh, itching to, to have a really winning season. I know Nebraska fans feel that way. More with Jay Moore on the way. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jay Moore's joining us at Hale Varsity Radio. Nick Henrich spoke today after practice. He's been through the adversity, had to battle back from a pretty rough knee injury, and he's one of those guys that have seen a lot of football, part of those tight ball games that have gone the other way. What do you think about Nick this season and uh, his upside here? What can he do? What's his best football look like? Man, is, he's just a gritty guy, just a grinder. You know, he doesn't do anything super flashy. I mean, he's your he's your stereotypical white linebacker, right? He's your he's 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 your high motor, high energy, uh, smart football player. You know, he he's just that's what it is, and it's because that's what I was. I can it's, I laugh because that's just that's what we you get labeled as, and always uh, oh, got a I great motor. That damn Jay Moore. You're correct, <laughs> right? And uh, he's just a s- smart. And again, he's played a ton of good football, and that's that's what you got to have. And I know this. I know this team is is rather young from top to bottom, but he's a guy that you can rely on, an older player you can rely on to help bring along some of these younger players to help communicate a new system and be Tony White's kind of secondhand man out there to communicate the new three three five defense to all these you know younger or less less um, you know guys who haven't played as much. Mm-hmm. So. Happy that he is healthy. I'm glad he's in the right mental state. Because a lot of times, if guys haven't experienced injuries, which I know he has, they have a hard time bouncing back from them. 
I know he's had some shoulder issues in the past as well, so I know he's bounced back from those. So just a high character guy, you know, a guy you can you you can really rely on, play it day in and day out. He's consistent, and that's that's what you want. And that's consistency is is an awesome is a, is a great thing to have, especially in a program that's had a lot. I don't want to say turmoil, but some some change and and just hasn't been what it needs to be. Nebraska needs to become a, a more consistent program, and and it starts by doing the consistent things day in and day out. And Nick, Nick Henrich does that. He, he exemplifies that. And I'm excited to see him grow in this scheme and really play and, and communicate. And, you know, everybody has to kind of catch up and play at that same level that Nick plays at. So that's, that's a good trait to have. Jay Moore is with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And you can find Jay on Twitter at jmore44. And Jay, let's shift gears here briefly and talk about some comments in from Billy Kemp earlier today. He said, with the weapons that Nebraska has offensively and with the, the coaching staff that Nebraska has assembled, he thinks Nebraska has the potential to be one of the best offenses in the country. And I'll get your reaction to him saying that on day one of fall camp. Is that encouraging to you, or do you think that's a guy saying a little bit too much on day one and maybe making promises that, that could be hard to keep? Uh, it might be hard to keep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like it. I like the confidence. I like the yeah, that's the new guy kind of coming in and – I know he spoke to the media before and during spring ball, but I think there's some abilities there. I think you got to stay healthy as offensive line. I think you better be able to run the football. And then you can start attacking some of these other plans to be one of the best offenses in the Big Ten and in the country. But we've seen some good offensive football here in the past. We definitely know what that looks like. But there's a lot of question marks going into into this first year to – to uh, make those type of comments. What is Jeff Sims going to look like? What's his offensive line going to look like? Can we protect Jeff? Can we run the football? Can we utilize all these tight end weapons we have? Who's he going to throw to at the wide receiver position? We lost some key, some key weapons there. So there's a lot of question marks going into uh, this first week and into game one to start making those claims. But that's just a, that's just a new guy. That's a new wide receiver. Just I, I don't have no problem with it. It's not like it's any bolts and board material. But I, I wouldn't go I wouldn't go that far uh, now. Give me give me uh, you know give me these first four games to to work through that to, to uh, decipher if uh, they're one of the best offenses in the Big Ten. Jay, let's talk dorm life. Uh, they moved in Sunday, and it's a little remember the Titans like where you're rooming with somebody you don't really know, and the pairings have been offense defense. And uh, one of the get your thoughts: A, do you think? And I didn't ask him this. I wanted to. I forgot to. Does Matt Rule have a lava lamp? That's kind of standard <laughs> with every dorm, isn't it? I mean, my crummy dorm had had a lava lamp. Uh, did Did you have a dorm? And did you have a lava lamp? I did have a dorm. I was uh, I was tenth floor of uh, Harper my freshman year with oh there was probably another twenty eight football guys on that tenth floor. And uh, it was yeah, we had a blast. But I remember some of those late night fire extinguishers get pulled. You got to walk down ten flights of stairs, you know, in the middle of winter. And all that was I don't miss those days. But I, the dorms are kind of fun, you know. I I think I moved out a little early. I I got a little tired of them. Got an apartment, but uh, <laughs> I think it's fun. I think I I love that the fact that they're doing it. Uh, I don't those beds. I saw those the kind of the the cribs impersonation that they did on on social media and those beds do not there's no way i mean i heard ty robinson talk about it like he's you know 320 and 65 like there's 
that has to be so uncomfortable for him. Peter but, hanging off you know, the edge. A couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I, I get it. They're trying to build, you know, kind of the camaraderie, build the, the team chemistry, which is very, very important. And you, you just, he's got, he's trying to switch things up because well, obviously what was working or not, I would say working, what was being done the last four, five, six, seven, eight years was not working. So you got to do something different. We never sat, we never went to the dorms when I was at Nebraska. We were always just, were able to go back to our apartments or townhomes or duplexes, whatever guys lived in. And he just drove to practice every morning, got taped, went to practice, you know, got treatment, got cleaned up, you know, went back to your apartment, took a nap, came back, meetings, practice, you know, get cleaned up again, dinner, meetings, you go home. And then, you know, you're, Falling asleep at 9 30, 10 o'clock, and you, you know, it feels like you've been asleep for five seconds, and it's 6 30, you got to go back to the, the stadium again. So, um, but it's cool. It's something different. Uh, the coaches are in there too. You know, they're living in as well, which I think is really, really cool too, because they could they could say, hey, see, we're going to go back to our, our cushy apartments or townhome, you know, whatever, or, or houses that we just moved into and, and enjoy it. But it's just, it's just as important to the, to have, the team camaraderie with the players as with the coaches. So I, I love that, love that aspect of it. And uh, we'll see if it pays off. It, it's, it's, it's a fun idea. And it's not, it's nothing, uh, it's nothing new. I mean, teams have been doing this for many, many years. <laughs> There's going to be some, I got to imagine there'll be uh TikToks or whatever they're doing being from, from whatever. I don't, I don't, those, those were not the dorm rooms I stayed in. I think those are <laughs> no like, like Selic or something like that. Those, those, uh, I think they're at Selleck. I'm pretty sure that's where all the smart kids stayed. I had no <laughs> business stay, to stop stepping into those dorm rooms when oh. I was in college. I know that for sure. Were you a Selleck kid? Me? Yeah. No, I didn't stay in the dorms. Okay. No, no. I, uh, but you could have. You could have qualified for Selleck. I could have, but then I, I had my dad tell the university that I was living with him off campus. wasn't true. I was living in a house. Okay. Having a grand old time. <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. Elijah's house setup's pretty sweet. I walk in, there's a 70-inch, and we're watching Bud Crawford. It's pretty good. It was, and uh, Elijah had the food, the leftovers, the chicken, the short ribs, Unfortunately, I was already full. Uh, we brought a gift of Jack Daniels. Mm. That I, was rent. I haven't cracked into it just yet, but maybe I, I, will well, I hope not. <laughs> I should know that the house has changed. Well, I haven't seen you since Saturday night, so you're telling me the bottle's still alive? It's still alive, but get this. The house has changed since Saturday because yesterday, I got home from work in a salt dogs game. My roommates brought home a dog. A second? Yeah, another dog. This dog is scared of its own shadow. We have to get the acclimation period down, but yeah. That was a shock to the system. Man, Gertrude uh, did not like the intruder. The intruder was there to steam clean Junior's carpet. It was mayhem. Uh, Jay Moore will finish out with this next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jay Moore's joining us at Hale Varsity Radio. Jay, before we let you go, uh, a thought here with the report from Athlon per Barstool about the Big Ten expanding potentially this week. We've felt like Oregon-Washington could make sense at a reduced rate. But then you hear Florida State and Clemson. How's that grab you? Yeah, you've always, obviously with getting USC, UCLA, you thought, okay, who else in the Pac-12 are you going to pull from? Because the Pac-12, their days are numbered. Mm-hmm. This, this thing is, they're toast. 
so you, it makes sense. Oregon, Washington, you'd think Stanford would make sense. Uh, you you kind of go uh, Stanford, Cal type of deal would, would make sense. Uh, and then you uh, just assume that the the Big 12 would go pull from, you know, the Arizonas, Arizona States, uh, the Washington States, uh, Utah's. Because mm-hmm. that, you know, with Colorado now coming back over, it just it just all makes – that would make sense. But very, very inter- interesting with that – with the potential news with Clemson and Florida State coming over, it's it's just not, you know, the top. Obviously, it's coast to coast, but it's kind of from the what is it, the Mason Dixon line up, yep. you know, essentially talking geographically. But you're starting to creep below there, and, and you're getting the SEC territory, and ACC territory. But that's just what the college game is going to become. It's becoming an NFL type of product. I. I Still see that I'll be interested to see as time goes on if conferences will still exist, or or do you just eventually split all of them up, just like regionally, kind of like mm-hmm. the NFL does. Obviously, there's going to have more than 32 teams. You're going to have 60 mm-hmm. some teams potentially that you're you're working with, but I I just foresee that going forward, just especially with the TV money, mm-hmm. you're just going to land these huge huge multi-billion dollar deals with the CBXs, the Foxes, the ESPNs, the NBCs, just like the NFL does. And schools are going to want that, man. They're going to want, instead of getting, what, 40, 50, 60 million bucks a year from the Big Ten or ACC Network or SEC Network, they're getting hundreds of million dollars, you know, a, a year from these these TV contracts. So not surprised because I just think we're just, it's college football is already a, a vast national product. It's just going to be, even more of that without conferences. I, I just foresee that that coming someday. I don't know if it's going to happen in the next ten years, mm-hmm. but I just think that's it's it's inevitable. It's it's going to happen someday, and we're just starting to see it kind of piece together, you know, year by year. Well, you, you get Florida State and you grab Clemson. They've been screaming about, all right, we're not getting paid what we're worth. We've been carrying the flag for the ACC. That could also put some pressure on Notre Dame because. Notre Dame sticks in the ACC. Well, part of their path to the uh, playoff has always been able to. They've been able to take down Florida State or Clemson with a, you know, a, a quality win. And if that's not right. there, that's that's uh, problematic. Bird will get you run down next week. Thanks again for a few minutes today. Yep, you got it, boys. Always a pleasure. Love checking in with Jay Moore. Good to spend time with him. We'll try and run down Coach McBride tomorrow. See if we can move him to Tuesday and. Mitch Sherman will join us from The Athletic. Reminder, you want to get caught up on the show or the segments you want to hear or the entire show. It's podcast for you with Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and catch the video. Hale Varsity YouTube channel can rewatch on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed and uh, more with uh, camp coverage in Nebraska. Coach White tomorrow. So have that for you. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Good to spend time. Hail Varsity, uh, back tomorrow at 4, presented by Currency. A Huda Media Production.